Welcome to Beyond the Press Release, a production of Agoracom, in which we take the time to speak with small cap executives right after they put out important news. With us today, we're really happy about this. For the first time, we got Phil Waddington, President CEO of Molecule Holdings, trades on the CSC under the stock symbol MLCL. Uh, I love what this company does, but more importantly, you all know it uh, on Agoracom and for everyone who follows on social media, that our thesis has been that this year will be the beginning of the next uh, bull market, bull run for the cannabis complex, just like Web 2.0 went through it back in, the, back in 2000, 2002. It's happening again. Why does that apply to Molecule? Uh, Molecule is a Canadian craft-focused cannabis beverage production company. Really exciting stuff. They've got a 200,000 square foot production facility in Ontario. It's just been given the green light to begin selling its unique line of cannabis-infused beverages throughout Canada, starting Ontario and Quebec. That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, they hold a standard processing license issued by Health Canada, which allows it to manufacture cannabis-infused products uh, and specifically beverages and sell them to other licensed producers. However, the company's recent partnership with Vortex Cannabis also allows Molecule to bring its own unique line of cannabis-infused beverage products to the market this year while they're completing their own sales amendment application. More just lip service, the company's so confident that things by the, things by the end of the year, it'll be on a revenue run rate of about $18.5 million. Here to talk about is Phil. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. Hey, Phil, great to have you. Congratulations on this partnership. Uh, but before we get into the partnership, because you know cannabis-infused beverage beverages is new, Talk to us a little bit about the company and what you guys are doing there. Okay, so from a, a physical aspect, how we got here is there were uh, Andre and, and Brad were chatting. They're, they've got a background in the beverage industry. They were looking in 2018 at how uh, the, the, the cannabis market was evolving and they knew that recreational cannabis was coming online in November. They started looking at putting together beverages that have cannabis in them realized that we'd had to build our own site to that, to do it separate from other manufacturing facilities, bought the property, applied for a license. As you mentioned, we've got it in 2019, February, and have built out the plant since then. So that's the physical aspect. But what really makes this company run are the people that's inside it. Sounds cliche, but it's exactly the way it is. Sure, the so small as I mentioned, world, you've got to have great, great jockeys on the horse. Exactly, exactly. And so as I mentioned, uh, you know, Brad is a, is a great marketing guy. Andre has a history in beverages and in finance. We brought in Becky, who understands formulation incredibly. So every every time we take a beverage and put it in front of somebody to sample, they love the flavor. We've got Magda, who's got a background in pharmaceuticals, so she covers all our GMP and SOP requirements. We've got Etienne with background in canning to make sure you can run the canning line properly. Phil with a background in product development or in, in, in product management, I mean, to help you know organize the site and how it goes. We've got Mac with a Matt with a background in logistics and insecurity who's running that side of things like we've covered we've covered all of the bases with people who are specialists in their field yeah what i like about this is this is a sophisticated operation this isn't the case of uh uh george phil and a couple of guys got together and said hey why don't we why don't we try and can some cannabis infused uh beverages it's 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 dead serious and i love the team that you guys have built and i love the facility two hundred thousand square feet which from what I understand is perfectly, you try, you guys kind of try to perfectly position it uh, in, a, in a distance, equal distance from Montreal, Ottawa, and Toronto, or at least as close as possible to that. You identify as craft. 
how do you feel that adds cachet to the existing products in the marketplace? Okay, so it's it, it does add cachet, as you say, but it's not so much about um, trying to position ourselves so that we can say craft. We just happen to be in that field. We, we, we're a group of people who like working with people who are passionate about what they're doing. And you know, if you just want to sell a lot of product, if you're making ice cream, and you want to sell a lot of product, you're going to make vanilla because that's the one that's going to sell the most. But we're not interested in making the vanilla. We're interested in making the one that somebody has come up with a flavor that they think really speaks to them. It expresses what they want to express in the marketplace. And so instead of going to the to the mass appeal, we're going to those that say, here's a flavor that I really want to try. It, it's it's something that I want to go back to. It, it's it's something that uh, that stands out from the crowd. And that's what we mean. So we're doing smaller runs, the more craft size runs with those specific flavors that people are going to be targeting. So we're working with smaller companies uh, and larger companies, but but smaller companies and larger companies to bring in uh, a unique group that are going to focus on something that's specific and means something to them. And so it's the it's the, spe it's the specificity around the unique flavors as opposed to trying to produce something that's general for the market. We're trying to produce something that's um, that's that's got a strong impact on a smaller group of people. Right. If you try and go into the general market, into the vanilla, as you say it, uh, you're also going to run into stiff competition, uh, scale. You know, you're operating against guys of potentially significant greater scale, and that's just not where the margins are at, at the end of the day. So, so I like that. And by the way, to clarify for for everyone at home, you both uh, you do two things. You you produce for. Uh, Agoracom, if Agoracom has a product and uh, we need you guys to help us formulate it and, and, and can it, right? Correct. But Correct. you also have your own or will have your own brands going right. to the market? Absolutely. So um, Clone and Sofa are the two that are going to be coming out from Molecule specifically, but um, also we're doing exactly what you're saying. Companies come to us and we will, we're basically for that, for those purposes, a co-packer. So those companies will often come to us and say, you know, for example, I want a lemon lime. Becky will go to them and say, do you want it to be, you know, stronger lemon or stronger lime? Do you want it to be a little bit sweet or a little bit sour? So we put a whole range of flavors in front of them. You, if, if you were the, the client in this case, would, would pick the one you want and we'd produce it for you and take it to the market. With that, though, we provide the full service on them. So we'll, we'll um, create the formulation for them. We'll manufacture it, package it. We have the relationships with the OCS, the Ontario Cannabis Stores, for example. Nice. Um, we like, will carry it right through the whole the whole system. So it's not that we package and then give off like a typical co-packer may. We facilitate the entire uh, from the from the idea to delivery to the consumer. We we facilitate that entire line. Yeah, which goes back to your sophistication again. This isn't just a bunch of guys that bought a filling machine and say, "Let's see if yeah. we can crank these out and make yeah. it work." Uh, well, I think you guys built something something great. Uh, let me ask you something, Phil. What's consumer acceptance like for cannabis-infused beverages? I'm not, I've never had one. Uh, I plan to, especially your products, because like, I definitely want to try them when they're there. Yeah. But what what's consumer acceptance like today? And where do you see it going? Because that, that ties into your anticipated revenue run rate. But let's leave that second. Let's, yeah. let's talk about consumer consumer taste, for pardon the pun. Yeah. So, so one thing we should be aware of is that the cannabis industry, the, the legal cannabis industry in Canada is still relatively young. Edibles have only been around since the end of 2018. If you look at edible or uh, cannabis sales in the recreational market um, from, from 2019, it was 1.18, let's say 1.2 billion. 
in the first half of 2020, it was the same 1.2 billion. So it's, it's, it's growing very rapidly, that, that market. So when people make estimates for what's the cannabis market going forward, there are legitimate estimates that'll say 4 billion or 7 billion or 9 billion. Like there's a lot of variation in there, but it's sure. but either way, it's growing very rapidly. So if you want to take out of that the beverages, if you look at society as a whole, we run on beverages, right? Like you'll, you say to your friends, let's go for a beer, let's go for a coffee, let's go for a drink. You don't say let's go for a cookie or let's go have a gummy together, right? It's, it's the way society works when you sit down for a meal, you have a glass of something with True. you. It's, it's just what drives society going forward. And when you look at the overall uh, food and beverage industry, beverages are about a quarter of what goes into that. And so there's a, there's a huge acceptance of the population overall on beverages. Within cannabis specifically, you've also got to realize that even with the black market, beverages are new because there was there has been black market uh, cannabis uh, dried flour that you could get and even edibles, but there weren't really black market beverages. So it's new into the industry and people are just getting into it. True. Somebody, there are people like yourself that, sorry, I don't know that if you use or not, but there are people who have been using cannabis for a while who- I have it, but that, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. legit now. So uh, yeah, but you're right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there, there's no black market for beverages because you can't just grow a beverage in your basement, right? Exactly. I mean, it's pretty so there sophisticated are people, yeah. to get to a beverage. Right. There are people that have been using cannabis for a long time and are still just discovering whether or not they want to use beverages. So it's, 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 it's nascent in that, in that way. But um, given that, uh, given that, that, that uh, newness into the industry, if you look south of the border where there's been a little bit more time with beverages, it's currently only at around four to eight to seven to nine percent acceptance with, with what the overall sales are. But it's growing rapidly. And if you look at the growth sectors that are the highest, the, the, the 2.0, the, the, the edibles, including beverages, sec sectors, the one that's growing the most. And right. as I mentioned, if in the first half of this year, they sold as much as they did in the entire half of last year, that growth is, 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 is outstanding. Um, even just in Ontario, they're bringing in the, the Ontario government's estimating that they'll be bringing in 30 more stores a month going forward for sale. So the, the potential for growth, even in a small market is extreme. And then you put on top of that, that beverages are really the way people tend to consume things on an ongoing basis, that the, the current market estimates, we believe fundamentally are vastly below what they're going to be going forward. Oh, well, look, I can tell you this, I, and you touched on earlier, uh, I've never been a cannabis user. My wife's never been a cannabis user. In fact, none of my family and friends really are, you know, I'm sure some people occasionally have it, but we all like a nice drink on a Friday night, on a Saturday night. So despite the fact that cannabis has been legal for a couple of years, none of us have gone over to the cannabis store to buy any cannabis, right? right. But with beverages, that's a whole different ball game. It's like, hey, we're gonna have a, you know, we're gonna have some drinks by the pool. We're gonna get together on Saturday night when all this COVID stuff is done. Uh, and I will guaranteed be more likely to, and in fact, hundred percent to try some cannabis infused beverages. So you're, I think you're spot on with that, Phil, that, uh, that that's a acceptance probably going to go higher and higher and higher as there's availability. So is that, let's go to the numbers. So, you know, you guys are talking about the potential you're thinking by the end of the year, you'll be on an annualized revenue run rate of $18.5 million, give or take. I know that's not a precise number. What are you what are you basing that on right now, and uh, and how do you see growth going forward? Sure. So those we're always conservative in our numbers, and those are those are positive numbers, and and people look at that and they're happy. But I want to want to clarify that we're not we're not inflating that at all. So to justify that, 
Right now, um, dealing with the OCS, uh, they've looked, they've taken in 11 of our SKUs. And so when we do estimates, if you've got one or two SKUs in and you try to say, is this going to work or not? It's, it's, it's hard to hit those numbers. When you've got 11, you can take averages because one SKU is going to sell really well. Another one's going to sell a little bit less. And so it averages right. out. Right. And the OCS themselves anticipate if you take their low, medium and high estimates for what they'll take over the year and you take it in the middle, they'll use up essentially all of our current 6 million can capacity. We're also, we also have acceptance in BC and, or sorry, in, in Quebec. And we're also looking into expanding into the other provinces. So um, currently, if we run one shift on, on our one canning line that's there, the, the run rate for the year is 6 million cans. But you can, easily, built, you can easily add a second shift. Uh, well, no, exactly. No but so there's two things. So we can add that second shift. And we also built the facility with a space for a second canning line beside the first one. Smart. And all of the upstream equipment is running at half speed. So we've designed it for growth. So we can drop in with very little cost a second canning machine and double the capacity that way as well. So, so you can four extra capacity from here because you can add a second line, plus you can add on a second shift. So you go from one to four, four X. So that's, that's true. Do you, uh, uh, are it's, you guys optimistic that, oh, go ahead. Let me be clear though. So, so even if you take that, that 6 million and you go four, there'll be some inefficiencies. So instead of say 24, we'd say 20 million. The, the, the 18 million sales that you talked about is at the 6 million cans. That's right. just Ontario. When so we you're doing about $3 a can. That's your ballpark. Well, right. Three to four, there's different variances based on what's in the can. But so if we take that 6 million out of Ontario, add Quebec, add the other provinces, that 18 that you talked about could easily go to uh, go towards the, sorry, the 6 million in sales can easily go towards the 20, which means the 18 is also going to go up by four times as well. Right, so, right. so that okay. 18, so, I just want to be clear, it's a conservative number. Yeah, no, great to see that you guys uh, have acceptance in all, all these. Devil's advocate, uh, because uh, my family is actually in the, in the food packaging business. Uh, Deals Ontario, Quebec, which are two massive markets that, that could make your company just on its own. How do you compete though if you got to transport to to British Columbia? It was does that make it a lot less competitive? Because I know uh, sending packaged goods, liquids specific, because we're in the same kind of business, liquids, packaging liquids. How do you compete sending to British Columbia, or would you have to set up another operation there if things got really really strong? Right. So uh, we always take a very business like approach to this, and so you know while we're in the cannabis industry, we're also business professionals when we look at what we're doing. So we anticipate that this plant that we're in now will serve Ontario East. We'll explore the West market by shipping initially and taking a little bit of a hit on transportation costs. When that sure. market establishes, we would look to putting in a plant out West to, to deal Mark. with exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so from Ontario, you ship it. You're not as concerned with margin. You're more concerned with uh, acceptance and customer and winning customers. If things go well, it's an easy decision because you guys, whatever you've done in in Ontario, you could easily duplicate out west as well. Exactly. Love that, Phil. That's great. I'd be remiss though. Uh, I want to play devil's advocate. What's the competition landscape like? Because uh, I'm assuming uh, the industry isn't going to let you guys just take it all. So, what does it look like? And uh, and how do you guys? Where do you guys differentiate? Right. So. Um... There, there, are, there are a number of competitors out there for sure. And, and any industry that's worth being in is also going to have competition in it. The larger players, uh, because of the way that they produce, are generally running at the, at the, at the products that are going to be more, not, I'm not trying to be derogatory, but more vanilla. Because they're yeah, producing yeah. larger runs, and so that's where they're going to be. And go for it. And there's a large number of people who want exactly that. And that, that's great. 
there are a couple other smaller players. Um, we believe that we're ahead of them with respect to the quality of the manufacturing that we're able to do, the quality of the products that we're able to bring, and the flavors that, that we were able to put in front of people. Also, because we're looking at the full spectrum of what you can provide, ultimately it's all about service, right? Whether you're in a relationship with a friend or with, with a company or whatever, it's all about the dynamic between the two groups. And so we wanna make sure that we're being that full service provider from the initial discussions with the client through to being the people who are on the floor talking to the guys at the OCS and getting out into the into the retailers and the bud tenders that are out there. So we're we're differentiating that way. And because of that, and because of our smaller production runs and doing it unique to the customers that that we have a variance of coming in, we believe that we differentiate that way. The other thing that we we think we're lucky about is um, when you're when you're putting all your not all your money, but when you're putting a lot of your funds into one particular flavor, it, there's a lot riding on that. And of course, that's important because we've got a number of different SKUs and we're dealing with a number of different people. One company comes to us and says, you know, we want something that's high in CBD. And another company says, we want something high in THC. Somebody says, we want a strong flavor. And somebody else says, we want it to be subtle. Somebody else says, we want it to be a balanced product. Somebody else says, we want it to just have one of the, the, the interesting ingredients in it. So we've got a spectrum of products in the market because of the way in which we're doing business. And through that, if, if you know the next Red Bull that comes into the market is in one of those categories, we're in there. We don't have to move into it. We're already in it. So that that unique service to an individual plus that spread over a number of players puts us into a, a better position for capitalizing on any market growth that presents itself. So with all this talk, you're making me kind of thirsty. Uh, <laughs> where uh, for for your investors uh, and prospective investors watching right now that live in, in Ontario, because you're not in Quebec yet, right? Right. Uh, so if you, if you live in Ontario, uh, are your are your brands available soon because this partnership with Vortex Cannabis? Uh, right. And and if so, when not only when are they going to be available, but which brand should we be looking for so that we can actually support the company and give you some feedback? Right. So um, there are a number of brands that we're going to go out. I'll, I'll talk about those in a sec. But yeah, we're going to be moving out through Vortex, and and so it'll say Vortex on the label that that we take out. Um, just for those who don't understand the regulatory process, and I apologize for those who do, but well, um, most don't, Phil. So this is going to this is a good part of the discussion. Okay. So, so as as was mentioned by you at the start, we have our standard processing license. We've done all of the development of the facility. We've brought all of our documentation up to speed. We're ready to start producing right now. When you get to that stage, you make an application to Health Canada that says, you know, we're ready to go into this this next stage. We, we, we you send them some documentation. It basically says, when we got our license, we said we were going to do things a certain way. This next day is say, really, we're doing it that way, come and look. And so it's that last step step of the, of the process. While that's underway, uh, it's what we're allowed to do within the regulations and, and lots of companies do is, is we're allowed to sell our products to Vortex in this case. And Vortex is, we, we were very fortunate to get, to get in with them. They're a, a similar size company in a similar stage of development. They're also selling, uh, they're early in selling 2.0 products into the market. So it's a, it's a, it's a great, it's a great companionship between the two, two organizations. So we're able to sell our products through Vortex to the OCS, for example, to the Ontario cannabis stores. So, so to do that, um, we've, we've, we've gone through all of the regulatory framework that you need to do. So we're ready to go today because we have to put Vortex on the label. There's just a slight change in our labels, which sure. Health Canada requires a two month window. So it'll probably be within, we've already started those processes as well. So it'll be within about two months that these products will be will be for sale in the market that you can go and buy them. So perfect, by springtime-ish, 
Yeah. Right. Uh, but when when people start, you know, going back out again, at least in Ontario and uh, where, where it's where it's a little cold right now, the products will be available. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be great. Uh, you know, I'm sure at one point we'll actually do one of these uh, from a backyard on our phones on Zoom, but for everybody at home and, and trying the product in real time. Can I, can I, I just want to clarify one point you made, you were accurate, but it might've been, it might be misinterpreted. The 200,000 square foot facility is our fenced in legal capacity that we have within our license. Absolutely. Our actual production facility in, right now is around 14,000 square feet. Okay. So it's a smaller portion of that. The, the fenced in area is built and licensed in anticipation, again, always looking forward for us to build a larger storage warehouse, perhaps a commercial kitchen and it's set up. So, the, so I just want to be clear that a large portion of that fenced in area is currently allocated to growth and not, not part of what we're using for production. I know that's good to know. And clearly look, uh, yeah. And I'm glad you clarified that, but uh, hopefully a lot of people at home also drew that inference, which is yeah. you're not already a capacity that yeah. uh, you're, it's built for being ready to handle uh, expansion capacity. But, but thanks for clarifying that, clarifying yeah. that last point, Phil, you mentioned at the very beginning, uh, the jockeys on the team, but you didn't talk about yourself. Uh, and you've got a very impressive resume. So if you don't mind, you know, and don't be humble, not that, yeah, don't, don't be too humble, but what is about your past experience uh, that really, really applies and will help molecules succeed going forward? Sure. Um, again, it's, I am but one of the team. And I, I don't say that just to say it, it's, it's actually true. And the people that I work with are really what drive us going forward. For what it's worth, my background, I'm, you know, the, the typical MBA kind of guy. I, uh, I'm, I'm a naturopathic doctor, so I understand the physiology of how the drinks work. Um, I worked in manufacturing. I worked as a naturopath. I, I actually started, I worked with Health Canada from 2000 to 2008. Um, and I was, for what it's worth, I was literally the guy who wrote the regulations for natural health products. So there were no regulations at that point. Wow. We came in. That's, that's wrote, so I understand the regulatory process reasonably. Um, I was for a couple of years with Afria on their board. So I understood the early stages of the cannabis industry as well. So it's it's I've had a lucky path to bring a, to bring me to where I am and and I'm lucky to be along with other people who have had similar paths that have brought them to to this point and were able to work together. Phil, you're a humble guy. I'll tell you that much. I would be beating my chest a little bit more, but you know what? That's why you're the CEO and uh, and why I'm not. Thanks thanks for joining us today. This has been a great you know beyond the press release to talk about your partnership with Vortex, but more importantly for everyone to get a to start to understand who Molecule is and. I can't wait to have you back because it looks like we're going to have a lot of reason to bring you back uh, every three to four weeks from the sound of it, because you're in your growth phase and we're looking forward to seeing what you've got for us next. Excellent. Thank you. That was, that was a, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> for everyone at home, you've been watching or even listening by podcast on Spotify, Google, Apple, your favorite uh, podcast platform to Phil Waddington, present CEO of Molecule, new company. Not a lot of you have heard about it. You've got to do your due diligence. They trade on the CSCN and the stock symbol MLCL. In fact, they're so new and they're so new to Agoracom that as of today, right now, we don't have their hub uh, up and running fully yet. So what we're going to ask you to do to start your due diligence is get over to the, uh, the, the Molecule website, molecule.ca. It's really informative, nice visuals there, really help you understand the company. Uh, and don't say we didn't tell you so because hopefully the day you discovered your next great small cap cannabis beverage company. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. See you next time.